Man, I, I'm waiting for that day. Take your Bibles. <clears throat> I was, I was, uh, got Brother Chris Rue here today, and I was thinking about letting him, but I said, wait a minute, man. It's Christmas. Tom will give you all a Christmas present. I'm going to do all the services today. Uh, and I, yeah, man, I, I'm going to just prove to you all that I really can do it. A lot of people don't think I can, so I'm, I'm going to show you I can. By the time I get done, you're going to probably regret ever asking me, can you do it? Uh, Genesis chapter 42, Jacob. Jacob has uh, sent his boys down to Egypt. Uh, his boys don't know really what's going on. They haven't got a clue yet. They forgot a lot of stuff. 22 years have gone by uh, uh, since Joseph has disappeared on them. Uh, they're, they're starving. It's an amazing thing how God, God can do some strange things in your life that you'll never even think about in a million years. Uh, I mean, you just won't think about it. Uh, is this on? Testing one, two, three. Testing. Yeah, I guess it is. Uh, you won't think about it, and sometimes we think that we have control over life, and we really don't have no control at all. Uh, you have a free will. I'll get you that. I'll give you that. Uh, but everything else is in the hands of God. And either you come to the realization that it's in God's hands or you don't. It's just that bottom line. That's it. It's bottom line. There is no other. There is. We can think we're going to do whatever we want to do, but in the end, you're going to stand before God and give an account of what you did and that's a very serious thing, and people just don't take it serious. Uh, we think that I, I do what, I don't think that a thing I did after the day I got saved was of my control. I, I think that I had choices. I think God stuck a door right here, and he let a door be right here. And he showed me, I think the Lord showed me, the Holy Spirit showed me the two doors, and gave me a choice to go through those two doors. You choose which door you go through, but the, just remember, the door you go through is the choice you're going to have to deal with because you went through that door. Uh, then you know what you do? All of a sudden, you start learning that, hey, man, I need to make sure that God's in me going through that door. Otherwise, it's going to be a mess down the road somewhere. Uh, I learned that, man. I've already messed up my life enough. By the time I was 22, I already knew what a mess was. I sit on the back porch and told the Lord, I maybe, I don't know, somewhere a couple months or three or four weeks before I got saved, hey, if this is it, if this is all life is, kill me and get me out of here now. I knew that at 22. If, if what you're shooting for is the glory and the, 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 the money and everything else on this planet, you've wasted, you're wasting your life. Because one of these days, you're going to take your last breath, whether at 30 or 40 or 20 or 10. I don't care what the date is. Uh, we passed a sign down here, and Beth goes, you know that pastor died. I said, how do you know? She goes, because it has a born date and an end date and a dash in between. And it's up on their sign. I'm like, I wonder if the church will put that up on our sign when I die. With a smiley face at the end. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But you know what? You never know. That man, I've, I've seen that man years ago down at McDonald's. And he was old then. I mean, you can live for a long, long time. I can still live for a long, long time. I can live to the rapture, man. I hope the rapture is like this afternoon. But, but Jacob, Jacob tells his boys, hey, I heard there's corn. So there's some type of uh, communications going on in the world and travelers coming through and Ishmaelites coming through again looking for another person they can sell down in Egypt. And they're saying, hey, yeah, there's corn down there. There's this guy down there, weirdo. Uh, Pharaoh put him in charge, man. He was in jail down there. Uh, and all of a sudden, he got up into, in, into a position, and, and he's running the place, and, and there's corn all over the place. And he's got more corn than he, you can shake a stick at. And Jacob says, let's send our kids down there. Verse 5, it says, and the sons of Israel, I know I looked at this last time, but we're going to look at it real quick, just real quick. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among, 42.5, among those that came. For the famine was in the land of Canaan, and Joseph was the governor over the land. 
And, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. Joseph had his hands in what was going on. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Now, I'd like to say one thing real quick about here. Joseph was in the right place at the right time to see his brethren. Most, most leaders want nothing to do with the day-to-day -day work. They want to be out here somewhere with all the glory and all the pomp and all the other stuff. But the day-to-day -day work, they leave to everything else. Joseph wasn't that way. Joseph was at the place where he needed to be on a day-to-day -day basis. And when he got there, guess who peered on, on, on the shore to him one day? Uh, and Joseph saw his brethren. <laughs> now, brethren, I'm telling you what, at that moment, you gotta, you got to learn. There's some things about your life you need to learn. And God, I think, is showing you through this passage. Joseph, at this moment, probably was not even thinking about his brothers, brothers and family. He probably didn't even care. Uh, he's 22 years into this thing. He's second to Pharaoh. He's got enough stuff on his plate that's keeping his mind busy. And all of a sudden, man, he looks down, and there's his brothers, 10 of them. And he goes, those are them suckers that threw me in that pit. And at that particular moment, the rage could come up in a man's heart or a lady's heart and cause all kinds of trouble at that point. Joseph had the grace to back away. This is a picture of Jesus Christ here. For what we did to God's son at Calvary, each and every one of us in this room deserved to go right to hell. Amen. You say, well, I wasn't there. Yes, you were. Your sins were placed on him at Calvary. What you do today is why he went to that cross 2,000 years ago. Now, we're celebrating his birth today. What we did to him is what caused him to do what he did, had to do in this world. And we caused that. So we need to get over this thing that we're something special. No, no, no. You are the reason he hung on that cross. Now, if God looked down at you and blamed you for what he did to his son, every one of us would be in hell. Boy, you better thank God that he backed away and gave some breath. He turned his back from Jesus Christ being hung on that cross and let him go through what he went through. And it got dark. And three days later, he come up out of uh, Abraham's bosom and rose from the dead. And his body came up. Now God's okay. He can deal with us. Now you can find grace and mercy. But back, I tell you what, back then, some of them guys, I, I pity them guys. Joseph saw his brethren, verse 7. And he knew them, but made himself strange unto them and spake roughly unto them. I can see why. And he said unto them, whence come ye? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food, which is true. All that is true. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. And Joseph remembered the dreams which, God, which he had dreamed of them. And he said unto them, ye are spies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, man, I mean, I mean, payback, payback. I said the last time, I mean, down through time, have you ever, I mean, it's just, I, I look down through time and every, there's, there's about eight or nine times in my life where I thought it was all over but the crying and it wasn't, it wasn't. It, that's just the start. That's just the start. Uh, I thought that there's times, I remember when I was with that guy that, uh, that I needed a top secret clearance. And I knew I lied. And then you got God on one side and you got the NIS agent on the other side and, and the Navy over here. And, and it's like, I can go in there and lie. And he goes to check things out and he could probably still give me a top secret clearance, maybe. I said, but I don't want to lie. I'm tired of lying. I'm tired of living like the stinking devil. Amen. Don't you ever get tired of that? I mean, just tired of living like this world lives? Why don't we just take a chance with God sometimes? I said, okay. For about two weeks, man, I'm sitting there with a, with a conscience. I mean, I'm, I'm heavy under conviction. And the, law, and the Lord keeps saying, I mean, the Holy Spirit. I wasn't even in the King James Bible at the time. The Holy Spirit was all over me saying, you need to tell the truth. I said, man, if I tell the truth, they're going to kick me out of the Navy. 
you need to tell the truth. But Lord, if, they, if I do this, they're going to kick me out. I'm a, I'll never get a top singer clearance. My whole career, I'll be chipping paint. I'll be a boasting mate. And finally, that day came, and, and I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do what you told me to do. It's not easy. Doing the right thing is not easy. I know it is. And I've been doing it for 43 years. I don't do the right thing all the time. It's not easy. Try it sometimes. It's hard. And I'm sitting there in a room with a guy who my life is in that man's hands. And I just look at the wall and start spilling my guts. And it took me about two hours. And this guy had these teardrop glasses, sunglasses on. A little musty. He looked like Dr. Peacock. Sitting there, man. I mean, stoic. Just stoic. I could imagine Dr. Peacock when he was captain of the Jacksonville Police Force in a suit and tie. Walk into a room, man. Everybody just freak out. And he sits down. Everybody looks at him. He would be like, like an admiral to me on a ship coming on board the ship, man. And I'm, I'm sitting there, and I tell the truth. And this guy with a stoic look on his face, I'll, I'll never forget it, took the glasses off and laid them down and just starts busting out laughing. And he goes, Petty Officer Elliot, he goes, everything you just said, everybody does. He said, maybe not to the extent you did it, but he goes, they all do it, and they all lied coming in the Navy, just like you lied coming in the Navy. But you admitted it. He goes, and, and you told me where everything was in your history, and I can go back and find all that stuff, <coughs> city after city after county after county, everything you told me you did, I can go find and find proof and find evidence of everything you just said, uh, the wickedness that you did and the sins that you committed and all this other stuff, and I can have that done in no time flat. In six weeks, eight weeks, I had a top secret clearance. Everybody else had to wait seven, eight months. And because of that... I was placed in charge of that satellite station as an E-5 because Commander Balvin said the first person that gets a top secret clearance is going to fill the slot. And I got mine before anybody else got theirs, and I filled that slot. And that man never took me out of that slot. You say, what is that? That's trust in God. And you got to get to the place where you learn that. That's a learned thing. It's not something that's natural in somebody. You may have a walk with Jesus Christ, but that thing's inside your heart. Joseph has that walk. He's been developing that thing. The Lord's been developing that in his life for 22 years and even before that. So at this point, Joseph knows that, hey, I need to, back, I need to calm down. I can't just nail my brothers right here, right now. And I can. It's totally within his power to put his brothers in prison for the next 30 years <laughs> or kill them, and nobody would know anything about it. But Joseph didn't do that. <clears throat> Joseph... He showed grace, just like the Lord shows grace. Genesis 37, Joseph, I mean, could you flashback? Joseph is sitting here looking at his brethren. And there, it says right here, he says, and Joseph, he goes, uh, whence ye come ye? They, and they made themselves strange unto him. Right here, verse 6. And it says, and Joseph, the end of the verse, it says that Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him. Uh, <clears throat> at that moment right there, Joseph, his mind goes back to Genesis 37, 5. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren. And they hated him yet the more. Uh, verse 7, For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose also and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood around about and made obeisance to my sheep. <clears throat> Joseph is sitting there going, Whoa, check that out, man. There it is. He's doing this stuff and his little head and little mustache and his little beardy thing and all this other stuff, and they, they think he's Egyptian. He's got a little Egyptian hat on and all of this other stuff, and He's looking at him and saying, that's just like the Lord said, man, in my dream. That's, that's exactly like, he said, this thing, come back. He said, I had the dream with the butler and the baker, but I mean, it's really never played out on my favor ever before. This thing is getting pretty good. He goes, I like this, man. He goes, I, he goes and I mean, he had to stop and say, I, I cannot, I cannot, 
I cannot kill my brothers. I cannot. I got to figure this thing out. Uh, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? That's what his brother said back in that dream. Or shalt thou have dominion over us? If God says it, that's what's going to happen. Now, here's, here's where we got to learn. It doesn't matter what you feel. Your feelings are irrelevant when it comes to this thing. It does not matter. What matters is what God said. What's wrong with our country and our world today, hey, there, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on some. There is no Santa Claus if you don't know that. Now, now, I don't have a problem with us having Christ's birthday today. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, but all that other stuff, when you sit there and, and you say, that I know when you are sleeping, I know when you're awake, that's Jesus Christ and that's the Holy Spirit. And you're, you're transposing that to a, a fictitious character that don't exist. And the, then the little kids, so we're taking it one step further and further and further. Here's the problem. We emotionally get attached to that. And if you step on it, you're stepping on my idol. Now, this is Christians. Now, brethren, I mean, we can say, hey, I can tell everybody, hey, Jesus had a birthday. Do I agree that it's December the 25th? No, I don't. But however, comma, he did have a birthday. And since we don't know exactly what day it is, I don't have a problem with you wanting to have a birthday party for him on the 25th of December. However, comma, when you take that thing further and further and further into that, I got a problem with that. Uh, my wife puts up Christmas tree lights. I get her the Christmas tree lights. Well, that's a bell bush. No, that's not. That, that, Jeremiah 10 is, an, is a totem pole. I know that because I heard a man say that. Dr. Roman taught that in class. And then I go to every, every preacher out there that preaches Jeremiah 10 is a Christmas tree. And right at the bottom of their notes, every single one by far that I've talked to over the last 30 years has said this totem. I'm like, where did you get that? I know exactly where you got that. You got that from Dr. Peter S. Ruckman. Or you got it from somebody he got it from. I said, that's what you got that from. You, and I asked a preacher one time, a notable preacher. I said, let me ask you a question. I'm just curious. Why do you preach that as a Christmas tree if you know it's a totem? And he goes, it's good preaching. I'm, that's a lie. I said, you just preach a lie to get your point across. I don't know if it's wrong to have a Christmas tree or not. I really don't know. I mean, I, it says, uh, don't let somebody condemn one holiday against the next. I mean, if you got a holy day that you can't, don't let somebody condemn the thing. I don't know. It's between you and the Lord. Uh, my wife likes a Christmas tree. I dwell with them according to knowledge. I got her one. Uh, I got it for her, as a matter of fact. Uh, you can say, well, you're a wicked devil. I, well, I'll have to deal with that at the judgment seat, I guess. Verse 10. I'll get off that hobby horse thing. <laughs> and they said unto him, nay, here's his brothers. Now, what you're getting is the perfect picture of a sinner coming to Jesus Christ. Now, brethren, if, if you do not, if you have not, I've heard people say, well, I got saved at Christmas time. And I, so I, I'm wondering, did you really get saved because of the Christmas tree thing or the, or the spirit of the time? Or did you come to Jesus Christ? Because people get saved in October, November, January, February, March, April, May, whatever. Why did you get saved? And did your life change? Why would you get saved if it's on a holiday? Are you attributing your salvation to that holiday? You ought to think about that thing. Because it is not a holiday. It's not an emotional thing. It is a fact. Jesus Christ came, lived, and died. And he shed his blood at Calvary so I could get into heaven. 
And if that's the case, there's a process I got to go through to come to him. You're getting ready to watch that thing right here. And they said unto him, Nay, Lord, but to buy food are we, are, are, are thy servants come. Number one, you cannot come to Jesus Christ and buy nothing. He will give it to you. You can't buy it. You know what most people do? They try to buy their stuff from him. You can't buy it. This stuff is it's free from him. Watch it. It goes on down through here. Uh, and we are all one man's son. We are true men. You liars, you are not. Now they try to justify their condition. That's what sinners do. They always try to make themselves look okay. We're not okay. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You're not okay. Uh, we are true men. Thy servants are no spies. Well, that part may be true. Uh, and he said unto them, nay, that's Joseph. Joseph has their life in their hands. You know God has your life in his hands? At any given time, he can take your breath away. At a moment's notice. There's nothing holding him back. Nothing holding him back from taking your life like that. It's gone. There's people die all the time, all the time. Uh, and he said, nay, but to, to see the nakedness of the land, ye are come. You have to be convicted of your sin. And conviction has to come into that thing for you to get saved. You have to realize, I have never really, when I see people that are really saved, I mean that are acting like they're saved and doing stuff, every one of them come under the power of conviction somewhere in their life. And they're quick to tell you that. They'll go back to the day they got saved. They'll say, right here, and just before that, man, this all was happening right here. And I knew that I was going to do this, and this was that. And hell had a part of that, and I didn't want to go there. And I got out of that thing. That's called conviction. What we do a lot of times is we'll tell, say this little sinner's prayer, and you're okay. That doesn't make you okay. If that little sinner's prayer isn't directed right to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that don't make you okay. That just means you said some words. I like Dr. Roman always said this. He goes, let him get saved a hundred times. He goes, I baptize people a bunch of times. And uh, he goes, one of these times it'll actually take. And they'll only need to get baptized once. We are all one man's son. And we are true. Thy servants are no spies. And, and Joseph, he goes, and he said in verse 12, nay, but to see the nakedness of the land are ye come. Well, I can see him right there. Man, I, I wouldn't want to be in his place. I would have put him in stinking prison forever and forgot about him. I don't know if I made him just set up a gallow of tin to hung him. <laughs> I mean, they're my brothers, man. Then I get all the inheritance from my dad. I get Jacob down there, and now I got everything. And they said, thy servants are 12 brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father. Boy, that probably perked uh, Joseph here up. That's his little brother. He knew it. He just said the tin here. My brother's not here. And he's fishing. And he's fishing in such a way that he's not revealing who he is. And one is not. That one is not as Joseph. They are now coming to the place where they're admitting, without saying Joseph, what they did. Until you admit that you're a sinner, there is no hope for you. There's no hope for me until I admit. The night I got, it took me an X amount of time, maybe it took me 10 years to get to the place where I could sit on that back porch and trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. I had to get my pride out of the way. I had to get my arrogance out of the way. You say, well, you guys have still got it. <laughs> well, maybe I do, but I had a whole bunch more back then that I didn't know I had. I had to go out of the way. I had to get to the place where I knew it was him and nothing else. And without him, I cannot make it. And now you got to realize that heaven is not yours by, by proxy. It is not yours. It was already given to you as a possibility and the payment has been made, but it's a, it's a request that you have to make that you, 
Believe on the, it says over there, it says, uh, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, there's a question. You got to ask him for something and you got to believe it. It isn't just asking. A lot of people say, well, I said the sinner prayer. I said, well, why are you yelling at me in the process of telling me you said the sinner's prayer? Why can't you just say, man, you know, I, I, I've talked to people just as calm. I, I trusted Jesus Christ, man. It was great. I've had people call me up and say, hey, is this Mike Elliott who got saved on a back porch in Louisville, Kentucky in 1980? I'm like, who in the world are you? Somewhere they heard my testimony and they just stuck in their head. Have you ever said your testimony enough that it's stuck in people's heads that you don't even know that if they ever called you or met you on the street, that's the first thing come out of their mouth is your testimony of getting saved? Well, I'm thanking God for that day, man. That was one of the greatest days of my life. He goes, and one is not. <clears throat> Having come to buy, the sinner is rebuked. Man, I like that. You can't, you cannot buy. Salvation cannot be purchased. They come up to Joseph. Joseph is a picture of Jesus Christ here. Clear picture. Uh, you can't miss the thing. They're trying to buy something from him, and you cannot buy what he has to offer. It is a free gift. Although the sinner is willing to go through religion, uh, religious forms of worship, they come and bow before Joseph. I would never bow before the governor of this country or the state. I'd go up and shake his hand. I'd give him the reverence he deserves. I'll give him the, the accolades he deserves. But for me to bow down and kiss his stinking finger or anything else, I would never do that in a lifetime, man. If I ever do, I'm not me anymore. I've been taking Oxycontin or something. Uh, but they bow before Joseph, not knowing why. They just do. It's just a habit to them. They think, well, they'll go up and they'll do this, and that's what you should do. God knows the sinner, but ask him the question to see what he will answer. You spies. No, we're not. We're good people. We're good. No, you're not. There's none good. No, not one. You, you sold your brother. I know you did. You see, that's the key. Joseph knew what they did because he was there. God knows what you've done. He knows exactly what I've done. You can't hide it from him. You can't hide it. You can sit there and look good. And I mean, people with suits and ties and all this other stuff, they look good. Or you can look like a bum. They said uh, Walton. Uh, Mr. Walton, who owned Walmart at the time, he drove up in an old pickup, like a 55 or 54 Chevy pickup truck, or maybe a Ford, I don't know what it was, uh, come in in old coveralls and blue jeans and whatever and walked in the store. You'd never know in a million years that was Walton, the owner of those stores. And that old guy would walk in there, and he'd start telling people they'd start treating him like dirt. And, man, he'd slam them all over the place. You, you don't know whoever you're you – know, you never know who you're talking to. I've talked to drunks on the side of the road that are saved. I talked to my dad that I thought was lost on his way to hell. He was going to fry, and he deserved everything he was going to get. And that sucker was saved for 30 years. <laughs> I'm thinking, there's no way, Lord says, you never know who you're talking to. Never. And you don't know what they come up against to get them where they're at. He goes, how would you like? I remember when Lord at the uh, Holy Spirit, I was sitting there looking at my dad, and it was like I was getting ready to say something, and the Lord said, Hey, how would you like to go through what he got went through and see how you come out? I'm like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. 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 I'm more than done. I am finished. I am cooked. I'm, I am, I mean, everything went away right there. All the animosity I had for my dad went away right there. I mean, the Lord lifted that thing right off my shoulders right there. You know why? Because I listened to him. That was not my emotional side of me at that point. That was God's side and the truth. You know what? The truth will make you free. It'll make you free if you take it. Uh, God knows the sinner, okay? Joseph's brethren knew, not, knew him not. You know, there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus. I question a lot of you sometimes. I talk to you, man. I don't, I don't see it in you. 
there's a problem. There's something going on wrong. Uh, Joseph's brethren knew him not. Uh, go to John chapter 1, verse 10. That's a, that's a good passage, man. John chapter 1. I like, I like my Bible. It really, it, it doesn't... If you don't have the Bible, I think God will still deal with you because he dealt with me for the first four years. I had an old New American Standard. And I didn't even read it. Uh, if you're not reading your Bible, man, you're, you're, you're just messed up. You're getting uh, snippets. You're, you got, I think God will deal with you, but you're going to get little pieces and parts. You're not going to get a lot. Uh, what you need to do is read more and 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 more. And you say, I can't. That's a lie. We do everything else and we, we find a way to do it. But when it comes to doing what God says do, we just don't want to do it. That's really the truth. 110. He was in the world. This is a picture of Joseph. Look at this. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. Joseph, that is a perfect picture of Jesus Christ here. When, when his brethren come to him, and they don't know who he is. Uh, Jesus Christ came to his brethren, and they did not know who he was. Uh, verse uh, number six. Uh, oh, I mean, God changes the sinner who comes to him with sin. Verse nine. He'll change you. Uh, he'll, he'll change your heart. And Joseph remembered the dreams. He'll change you if you let him. Uh, verse, uh, the, the sinner immediately justifies himself and goes. Now, I'm looking back at the passage here in Genesis, but... Uh, Here's some notes. I got these out of Dr. Rutman's commentary, which I thought was great. Uh, uh, the sinner immediately justifies himself and gets into lengthy explana explanations about what a fine person he is and how fine his family tree is and blah, 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 blah. Uh, you ever talk to somebody and say, well, I'm okay. No, you're not. I don't care if you've been saved 50 years. You're not. You're still going to have some, you're going to have some kinks in your armor. You're going to have something that you need to deal with, and God's going to keep dealing with you about it until the day you die. So the best thing to do is just get it under the blood. Why don't I just choose Jesus and get on his side and quit messing with all the other stuff and start learning about him? You know what I've done for 43 years? Tried to learn about him, and I've been a mess. I could not even, I thank God the other day. I said, Lord, I'm a mess. But boy, if you hadn't messed with me for the last 43 years, where, would I, where could I possibly be? I mean, I have no idea where I'd be. I have no idea. I mean, if, if this is, is you working with me for 43 years and me rebelling with you over those 43 years, where would I be if you weren't even in my life? Yeah. I don't know about you, man, but I'm thanking God that he's been in my life for 43 years. And, and I've kind of struggled and held on. I'm, I'm like Jacob, man. I, I mean, I grab hold of his leg. I'm holding on with everything I got. <laughs> he can drag me all over the place. And by the time he gets me to heaven, I'm going to look like I've been dragged down the road behind a car or something. But that's okay. I'm okay with that. God insists that you are a sinner even if you don't come from Adam. Uh, this is a mistake the Pharisees made. They traced their genealogy to Abraham and stopped. But from where did Abraham come? Next question you got. I like, I like evolutionists, man. They always say, well, you came from this, you came from a monkey. Well, where did a monkey come from? Well, a monkey came from an amoeba. Well, where did the amoeba come from? Well, the amoeba came from a cesspool out there in the middle of nowhere. Where did the cesspool come from? I thought we came from a molten blob of, of sunspot or whatever, and we blew out somewhere, and it was just all hot and, and all the water. Uh, where did the water come from? I mean, you're asking me to believe in absolutely nothing coming from nothing and starting something from nothing and keep going from absolutely nothing to become what I am today. I, it's easier for me to believe somebody actually made me. 
I have a, I have, it's real easy for me to believe somebody made this thing right here. Look at that, man. I turn it on. I talk into this, and it works. I mean, I believe somebody, I believe Sennhauser made this. And I believe, I believe there's a receiver back there somewhere, or maybe over here. Right there they are. Uh, they actually, if I go over and turn them off, guess what? This thing quits working. Uh, that means somebody had a brilliant idea that this is a receiver and uh, this is a transmitter. That's a receiver and a wire hooks back here to him and he hooks that to the speakers and it all works. And the green grass grows all around, all around. The green grass grows all around. And you sit there and tell people that and they look at you like, I, I came from a cesspool. You're an idiot. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. That probably should say you're not. That's probably not the right word to use. You're a moron. <laughs> but, but but the sinner now assumes man don't you don't you love your bible i don't get offended at one part of this i mean i'm not a jew guess what i'm not a jew so one of these days i don't have to go through the tribulation how about that one i got saved and even if i was a jew i, I don't have to go through the tribulation but I get, I get in the church age, and I get this thing because the Lord looks down and felt so sorry for us Gentiles that he just gave us salvation and made it easy as he possibly could. Anybody, anybody could get it, Jew, Gentile, it doesn't matter. You can be saved. You can get it. Uh, but he gives this thing to me, and I, I'm like, I'm a dummy. Uh, okay, I'm a dummy to some. I'm pretty smart to others. Every one of us has a place in this world. If you focus just on you, what you're going to do is you're going to say, oh, woe is me, woe is me. There's always somebody worse than you, and there's always somebody better. So you know you're not too bad if you just give yourself some breaks. The sinner now assumes the defense in earnest. Verse 13, and they said, thy servants are 12 brothers. We are a family. No, you killed one of them, man. You, you guys fought like cats and dogs. And one of your other brothers said, don't sell him or don't throw him in the pit. Don't do anything to him, and you sell him. You get him up out of the pit and going to kill him or going to sell him. Uh, and insists that he is handicapped and has had bad, you haven't had no bad luck. You've made choices. You guys chose to put now. Now, Joseph, I got it, man. I mean, here comes Joseph, little coat of many colors. Look what dad gave me. <laughs> and he liked, he liked my mom better than he liked y'all's. That's why one is enough. You don't need four stinking women in your life, unless they're your daughters. Uh, <laughs> I, that, I mean, you don't need them uh, because it's just going to cause conflict down the road. Uh, it's, just, it's trouble, man. It's trouble. There's nothing you can do about it. I'm not, there's just nothing you can. Sinners assume the defensive uh, in earnest and insist that he is handicapped. You know, it's just bad, bad heredity. It's my, it's my, no, it has nobody. You can't blame nobody. It's not your mom, it's not your dad, it's not your uncles, it's not your brothers, it's not your sisters, it's not the police, it's not the, the crooks, it's not, it's not your job, it's not your boss, it's you. It's me, I'm the problem. And until you get that thing, you never will change. Not as good as he ought to be, but certainly I'm not guilty. You are too, you wicked devil. All, all of you guys are wicked. All, all his brothers, man, Reuben, all of them, man, they... they Simeon and Levi, yeah, I think it was Simeon and, was it Simeon and Levi that went in and killed all the people at Shechem. I mean, you're talking about cruelty. That's unbelievable. Jacob calls them out later on. That's, you're talking about cruelty. They tell somebody what to do, and they get the upper hand on them, then they go in and kill them. That's a bunch of stinking cowards is what that is. And Joseph, verse 14. I get, you start getting upset about this thing. But do you, you're going to look how God looks down at us. That's, could you imagine the Lord looking down at us? And that's what he sees. You talk about grace and mercy and love and kindness and long-suffering. I mean, he looks down there and sees that. 
And, and, and you look in the families. I hear people say it all the time. I'm like, man, our families are crazy, man. Not just immediate families, but extended families, all, all of them out there. Uh, brothers and sisters, they start moving out, and they all do their own little thing. And, and they think they can do whatever they want. Nobody can hold me accountable for nothing I do. You're accountable for what you do. You're 100% accountable. <clears throat> and you need to suck it up and take it, man. I like this. Uh, somebody told me once, she didn't like me anymore, but she said, suck it up, buttercup. And uh, I'm like, are you calling me a buttercup? <coughs> she was older than I was. I could say I don't listen to old people and really get her, but I didn't. I kept my mouth shut. And Joseph said unto them, verse 14, uh, that is, uh, and Joseph said unto them, that is it that I spake unto you, saying, ye are spies. Joseph is trying to pin them down and get them into a place for whatever his thinking is at this point. As a picture of Jesus Christ, he's trying to get the sinners to admit their sin. Uh, Hereby ye shall be proved by the life of Pharaoh. <laughs> ye shall not go forth hence, except your youngest brother come hither. Send one of you, and let him fetch your brother, and ye shall be kept in prison, that your, your words may be proved, whether there be any truth in you. Or else, by the life of Pharaoh, surely ye are spies. Now, that, to me, that is not a very good plan, uh, because you're going to throw the ten guys in jail, and one of them, you got to choose one of them to leave, and, and as, as unworthy and untrustworthy as they all are just about, uh, you're going to find who's going to vote for anybody. And he put them all together in war for three days. Now, in, in a jail, Brother Dave has talked about that before. I was in jail one time. I was in jail a bunch of times, actually. Not a bunch, but enough. Uh, I got locked up, and I, I, already, I already got my heart right. I mean, I was in West Virginia, stole car. Uh, this way back, my, uh, I think it was Jesse. Jesse or Esther, one of them. I forget which one it was. They went to school over at Cornerstone one day. And my dad got locked up for stealing a car. <laughs> and they all thought it was like yesterday. And... Uh, <laughs> And so they, they called Beth, Beth, what happened to your dad, her husband, Mike? I mean, I was over doing everything at the church for Brother Siler. I was doing all the stuff, making his boards and fixing stuff for him and wiring this and wiring that and coming in and doing all kinds of things. And, and they just couldn't believe it that Mike got locked up for, for stealing a car. And, and uh, Esther, and, and I think it was Jesse or Esther, I forget which one it was, but they went in there and Beth goes, no, 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 that was back when he was 16, 15 actually did it. And uh, then they, they all kind of laughed at it. Uh, it's not a funny thing, but I mean, I already knew that I was wrong and I was on my way back when the police picked me up and they put me in jail. My dad come down there, left me in jail for 13 days and, and he come up, I thought he was going to get me out of jail. I really did. And he looked in that window and he said, how you doing son? I said, I'm doing good. And my dad's a drunk at this point, just a mess. And, uh, I'm, he goes, uh, how you doing boy? And I said, I'm doing good. He goes, okay. And he turns around and walks away. <laughs> I'm like, wait, whoa, whoa, back up. He goes right on through the door. I don't see him for like 13 days. Uh, and in 13 days, I get in front of the judge, and the, the dad's already paid for the car. I mean, he paid the guy for the value of the car, and, uh, and uh, it was a 62 Chevy 2 Nova. <laughs> that might be why I like 62 Chevy 2 Novas. I don't know. It's got this infinity back there with me, uh, and I just, I, it was an easy car to steal, so I stole it. It wasn't just me. It was a bunch of other guys. About four or five of us did it. But uh, in any case, you know, I was the tech at the point, so I was the one who could hotwire the thing. Uh, but, <laughs> But as, as we go on here, the rest of the story, that, that 13 in, days in jail changed my life. I mean, I realized, man, sitting in jail for 13 days, and on this side over here, the, there's a drunk tank. There's a, like a jail cell here where they keep the juvenile guys. And over there's a real jail, bars and everything, man. It's like Green County out here. And uh, the, this side over here was the drunks, and over here was the felons. 
And night after night, I just listened. And then one toilet against the wall. Now, I don't know about, that's the way Navy did, who really cared, but you got to go to the bathroom in front of everybody walking by the bars and all this other stuff. And, and holding it for 13 days just ain't going to happen. So, I mean, you got to do this stuff and the people in, you're in jail with. And, and I listened to both sides of that thing. I'm like, this is just not really where I need to be. You know, for the rest of my life, I mean, this is just like, and this isn't it. This is, there's got to be something more out there than this. And uh, I said, uh, this, and, and I got, I got, I already was, I, I mean, I already knew I was wrong when I was coming back to face the music. Uh, this just kind of put the icing on the cake and, and it, it sealed me. So dad comes and picks me up and I go, we go, well, actually they take me to jail and take me up to court and the judge uh, drops all the charges or, or whatever he does, puts me on probation. I'm still juvenile, so it doesn't really matter, but. Uh, he puts me on, that's one of the things I told the uh, NIS agent, I said, yeah, they said he sealed all this stuff, but I stole this car, and it's there, the records are here, and this is there, and that's there, and I showed him where all this stuff was, and, and uh, Dad, I remember he, was, he had a 75 Monte Carlo, green Monte Carlo with a light green uh, uh, top on it, the, what do they call that, vinyl top, and I was sitting in the back, Mom was sitting on one side, Dad was sitting on the other, and he put his hand on the steering wheel, he looked back, and I thought, usually up to that point, he would just beat the snot out of us. I mean, when I say beat to snot, I mean beat to snot. Uh, and and, and people, people get upset when you yell at them. You are just a bunch of pansies, man. You know, you've been raised in, a, in an environment that you can't get. Nobody can raise their voice to you anymore. You're, an, you're oh. Anyways, I was expecting to get hit with a two before or something. I mean, it's just what I was expecting. And he looks at, hey, son, we'll never talk about this ever again. And he drives off. And to, he held to his word. He, he talked about it a few times in joke and jest, but he never really, it never ever came up as a serious thing. And that stunned me that my dad, my dad would do that. That stunned me. And it was like the Lord getting a hold of your mind. You know what conviction does? God starts doing stuff in your mind and your heart that nobody else can do. And he starts bringing stuff to the surface that only he could do. Now, you may not attribute it. I don't know if I exactly attributed that to him in that back seat. But all of a sudden, things started changing. My eyeballs started opening. Things were looking different than they did before. That's exactly what Joseph just did to his brother. He puts all three of them in jail, all ten of them in jail. Three days. Well, he, the Lord's going to hell for three days and three nights. Why not put them in jail for three days and three nights? It's out in the future. I already know. You, are, you do know he already knows the future, don't you? You do understand that. There is nothing you're going to do that he don't know you're going to do. That's not Calvinistic at all. That he knows the end from the beginning. And if you think for one minute you're going to sneak by him, you aren't sneaking by nothing. I'm not sneaking by nothing. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm, I just know I'm, I'm ready to admit at any time that I just blew it. That's the best thing to do. And he put them in war for three days. This is a perfect picture of the sinner under conviction. You ever get under conviction? Conviction is a good thing. It's a great thing, man. It's a great thing. You need to be under conviction. As a matter of fact, I would rather be under conviction than happiness. Because conviction draws you a little bit closer to Jesus Christ. Happiness is when you get close to him. Uh, that's going to be an outcome of true conviction. And Joseph, verse 18. I got, I got four minutes. And Joseph said unto them the third day, this do and live. <laughs> that's a good thing. That's the Lord saying. He said, hey, you want to live? This is the second death. It's, you know it's bad enough to die once? The Lord says you can die again. Then what does that death mean? That's, that's going to hell, the first one. And the second one is you're getting picked up and thrown into the lake of fire. That's the second death. That doesn't mean you're dead. That just means he considers life with him and death in hell or in the lake of fire. I'm like, 
Here he is. He tells these boys, he says, and Joseph said unto them the third day, this do and live. You know, he, uh, Jesus Christ was in the heart of the earth three days. <clears throat> three nights, he rose up on the third day. Guess what? After the third day, he says, this do and live, for I fear God. You want to get saved after he come up out of that ground? All you got to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Believe. You got to admit you're a sinner. Believe. You know, his, his brothers aren't quite there yet. Verse 19, if ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry uh, corn for the famine of your houses. But bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall I. Now, how would he possibly know that they didn't go and grab some younger brother from someplace else and, and bring that young kid to him and, oh, this is my younger brother. How would he possibly know that uh, unless he's Joseph, which he is, and that he knows Benjamin, which he will, uh, and Jesus Christ tells you what to do, and you don't do it, he knows exactly what you're doing. You can't hide from him one thing. Brethren, I'm telling you what, this thing called Christianity is the greatest thing in the whole wide world. Uh, if you stop for just about two minutes and stop thinking about this stupid, filthy world that you live in, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, any man loves the world. If you love this place, you can't love God. It's two different worlds. You're sitting there and saying, I am saved, I am born again, I'm on my way to heaven, then why aren't we preparing for that instead of preparing for this world? I don't know about you, but after I left the ship, after I left the Navy, I hated every job I ever had. I hated EDS, I hated crane pro service. I did them because I had to take care of my wife and kids. Uh, I'd go out in the middle of winter, work in the winters. I did all kinds of stuff. I'd be up on cranes 120 foot in the sky. I, I, was all, I did all kinds of stuff. I did. I hated every one of them. I, I did it. I worked 18, 19 hours a day some days. I hated it because it was, it was serving God, serving the stinking, filthy world. I didn't like serving the world. But you, get, you have to do it. I understand that part. But I'm telling you, the whole time I'm sitting there looking at how to get out of this thing, how to get out of this thing, and guess what? One day, the Lord just, he brought that thing to a pinnacle where he knew I'd respond to it, and he opened that door and said, now here's two doors. You go this way, you're going to be right back into that job market. You go this way, you have no idea what that is, but this is the way you want to go. And I'm like, I'm out of here, man. I took it. You're talking about joy. Joy, I mean, conviction will bring you to a place where you have to make a decision. And when you make that decision, sometimes that decision's been made a long, long time ago. If you be true men, and he said that, bring your youngest brother. Verse 21, I'll stop here. And they said one to another, we are very guilty <laughs> concerning our brother, talking about Joseph, in that we saw the anguish of his soul, and they still don't know that's him. Uh, when he besought us, and we would not hear, therefore is this come upon us. Now, R.G. Lee preached a sermon. I, I thought R.G. Lee, uh, he was a Southern Baptist preacher. He preached that sermon, payday someday. Uh, you do something today, this is 22 years later, payday someday. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. It, it'll come back on you. Uh, it'll come back. Unless you can get that thing under the blood, it will come back. Uh, I'm, like, I'm like, Joseph here is, is trying to get them to see their condition. Uh, they see their condition, and Joseph is sitting there listening to them. And he's listening to every word they say. He can speak Hebrew fluently, and he can speak Egyptian fluently. And he is talking to an interpreter in Egyptian. The interpreter is probably going, what are you talking to me for, man? You can talk to them guys. The interpreter probably doesn't know what's going on. He goes, but you're, you're like Joseph, and if you say it, I'm going to say it in Hebrew because that's what my job is, but why are you doing that, man? Why don't you just talk to them? 
He's like, shut up and do what I tell you to do. He said that in Egyptian, uh, whatever that is. Whatever that is. And he goes, okay, okay, I got it. He don't tell that to them probably, but he just starts interpreting back and forth. And then boys start talking like that, and I mean, it breaks Joseph's heart. He goes, they're getting it, man. They're getting it. You don't think Jesus Christ gets that same way when we do the same thing? When, when he brings sin to our, our, our faces and we see that thing, and we look down and we start, we did it, man, we did it. And his heart starts breaking. I'm telling you, man, he's giving you a perfect picture of himself right here in the Bible. And he's telling you, this is the way I am. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. He means it. He says, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity, but would at all points tempted like we are. He knows exactly what you're going through, exactly what you're going through, yet without sin. He knows the, he knows the end game. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, what a God we got, man. Father, thank you for your blessings. This morning, do pray to bless the morning service, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.